It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning. It's Tuesday, December 29th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. This is Chris Hummer. I'm pinch hitting for uh, your normal host, Trey Scott. And today I'm joined by National College Football writer Brad Crawford. And we're talking something uh, we're both rather familiar with, bowls and bowl picks. Brad and I have a weekly pick column at 24-7 Sports. So, uh, Brad, to start, tell the people how bad you beat me every year against the spread in our pick column. Doing it, man, for about four or five years now. I think I have the edge every year, but, I mean, you're – you're getting closer to me, man. This year, I think I was 82 and 80 against the spread overall, and I might have beat you by like two or three games. I mean, it, it came down to the last few weeks like it always does. But I tell you what, man, during the COVID season, it's been really hard betting games. And one thing to remind these listeners, Chris, we don't pick these 10 games to bet on. We just pick the 10 biggest games of the week. So it's not actual games that, you know, we would place money on. It's just, you know, the 10 most watched games, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's really tough. And I, I don't think either one of us would certainly bet most of the 10 games, if any of them, every week. We would kind of right. pick our favorites. And we kind of we kind of just focus on the 10 biggest games to kind of give the people what they want, really. And I think a quick caveat before we get into these bowl games and these bowl picks, neither one of us, I think you would agree, would not really bet a lot of bowl games. It's not a smart move in general. There's so many fluctuating factors. Too many games trying to guess which team's going to show up and how many players are going to be available. It's just too tough. Yeah, but that said, like, we're here to make picks. We do it every week, and we'll continue to do it uh, in bowl season. So we're going to do both normal picks, money lines straight up. Um, so before we get into the 10 picks we're going to pick for our column this week, we're going to get started with today's bowls. So, Brad, do you have a winner for the Cheez-It Bowl, which matches Oklahoma State and Miami, with the Cowboys being favored by a point right now? I like Miami in this game. I didn't like how the Hurricanes ended their season, a 62-26 loss, I think it was, in North Carolina, giving up almost 600 rushing yards, really to, to two guys, um, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. I, I think Miami bounces back and is able to win its ninth game of the season behind a pretty big day from uh, De'Aaron King. Yeah, quick, quick note on this one. I will be listing throughout what players have opted out for this game for both teams. For Oklahoma State, star running back Chuba Hubbard is out. For Miami, defensive ends Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche are out. So their two best pass rushers are out. Personally, I have Oklahoma State. I'm picking them to cover. I really think Oklahoma State's makes, defense makes a difference in this one. I just don't think Miami has the playmakers on the outside. But I'm also Big 12 biased sometimes, as Brad knows. Another Big 12 game coming up today is the Alamo Bowl. It pits Colorado versus Texas. This line has swung wildly today. Um, I think Texas opened as like a 13-point favorite. It's down to 8 Texas has a host of players out, including three starting linemen. Um, Brad, do you have a pick for this one? Yeah, about 10 years ago, man, during Tim Tebow's last college game, Urban Meyer, like, schemed it where, you know, Tim Tebow would, would throw for something like 475 against Cincinnati. I think this is a game where maybe Tom Herman lets Sam Ellinger go out on top. I know Sam really hadn't made a decision on whether or not he's coming back in 2021. This is probably it for him, I'd say, and – I think he has a multi-touchdown game and Texas wins. Yeah, I'd be shocked if Sam comes back. And um, that's kind of been the talking point around Austin for a long time. I also agree. I, I give Tom Herman this. He schemes for games where he has an extra week, better than almost any coach in the country. His record at Texas is something like 13-1 and one in those situations. He's absurdly good. 
And I like Texas to roll in this one as well. I think Sam Ellinger, as you said, has a special game to kind of uh, end his Texas career. Um, on to the games we're actually picking in our column. We're going to start with the Cotton Bowl, which pits Florida versus Oklahoma. Um, this line opened as Florida minus three. I think as of last check, Oklahoma is actually favored by a point and a half. Uh, Florida is going to be missing its three top receivers, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, Javon Grimes, plus its fourth receiver in Jacob Copeland, who has COVID. Redshirt junior cornerback Marco Wilson of shoe-throwing fame has also opted out per reports for Oklahoma. And this is another long list. They're missing starting cornerback Trey Brown, backup running back TJ Pledger, and backup quarterback uh, Tanner Mordecai. Now that I just gave you that word salad of an opt-out report, uh, Brad, who do you like? Yeah, I like Oklahoma in this game. Florida's defense has played pretty bad all year. Really, this is kind of being calling card for Todd Grantham, you know, against very good quarterbacks. Florida's defense has not played well. I don't think it does either in the Cotton Bowl against Spencer Rattler. Lincoln Riley has had ample time to prepare for this game, and it's a game where you've already mentioned, Chris, a lot of Florida's top weaponry is out. So wouldn't surprise me if Kyle Trask has a pretty big day against Al Stretch's defense for OU, but in a shootout, I like the Sooners. Yeah, Florida's young players are really talented. They've got a lot of young receivers on the outside that are going to get reps. Kyle Trask is going to get his. But I think people have overlooked this part about Oklahoma this year. This is the best their defense has played in at least half a decade. Their front four is nasty. And with Kyle Trask missing so many weapons, I'd like the Sooners to kind of come out on top here. As you said earlier, I think Oklahoma could really use a win over an SEC team. Uh, feel good heading into next year when I think Oklahoma is going to be the prohibited favorite in the Big 12. So. I like the Sooners in this one by four points and the cover. Um, so the next game up is the Texas Bowl. Arkansas versus TCU. Maybe not as exciting as um, Oklahoma, Florida, but this is an old Southwest Conference matchup. TCU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, or at least open there. Um, there's not really a ton of opt-outs with this one, other than Arkansas is going to be missing Rakeem Boyd and Jerry Jacobs. So, uh, Brad, what are your kind of thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, at, at the midseason point, Chris, I kind of thought Sam Pittman, first-year coach for the Hogs, had a shot at SEC Coach of the Year. You know, they were they were nearing 500. Had already won more games than a lot of us analysts thought. And then they kind of uh, laid down late in, in some games that they could have won, I thought, late in the year. I think Arkansas does bounce back here, uh, post a big bowl win to kind of cap Sam Pittman's first year. And I think if you're a Razorbacks fan right now, you're you're feeling pretty good heading to 2021. Yeah, I'm, I'm going the opposite direction. I actually like TCU to cover. Arkansas struggled to stop the run kind of throughout this season, uh, maybe except early on when Barry Odom was kind of getting head coaching buzz, but they've kind of struggled late in the year. And TCU's found something on the ground with a really young stable of backs. Um, Zach Evans, particularly the five-star true freshman, has had a couple big games recently. And I like the Horned Frogs to kind of continue what has been a late season surge. The next game is the Peach Bowl, um, Cincinnati versus Georgia. Georgia opened as a seven-point favorite. This game's going to get of a lot of attention because you've got Cincinnati coming in undefeated. And uh, Georgia, their question's always going to be how motivated they are here. Um, Georgia's missing a ton of guys. Aziz Ojolari, their leading pass rusher, Monty Rice. Top cornerback, All-American Eric Stokes. Their best offensive lineman have been Cleveland. Trey McKitty, their tight end. Mark Webb, DJ Daniel, Jermaine Johnson. You can kind of go on and on. Uh, Cincinnati, as it happens, isn't missing anybody. Uh, Brad, what are your thoughts on this if I'm laying real money down on this game, Chris, I'd, I'd probably take the Bearcats and the points. You know, th this one's setting up sort of like UCF Auburn did a few years ago, the same venue in Atlanta, you know, where, where UCF was unbeaten, didn't get any Final Four love, and, and wanted to go out with a win against a quality SEC program. And here we are again, same scenario, unbeaten Cincinnati. 
AAC champs against a pretty good Georgia team now with J.C. Downs at quarterback. So um, I like Georgia to win the game straight up, but th this should be one of the better non-playoff bowl games. I think it's the best uh, New Year's Six game there is, and I like Georgia something around 31-28. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I also have Cincinnati covering, but Georgia winning. I think what you mentioned about Cincinnati uh, kind of mirroring that UCF team a couple years ago is a really important point. I think Cincinnati might actually be a little bit better than that UCF team a couple of seasons ago. Cincinnati, particularly kind of along the defensive front, is good enough to challenge Georgia. They have a couple NFL players along that front. Cincinnati has really good corners. And I think Desmond Ritter, as much as he can struggle as a passer sometimes for Cincinnati, is mobile enough to challenge Georgia in ways that a lot of quarterbacks in the SEC haven't been able to this year. Um, with all those opt-outs, I do like Cincinnati to make it a really close game. I'm not willing to kind of uh, push it over the line and pick Cincinnati straight up if I was putting my money down on this one. But I, I do think Cincinnati is going to cover. You mentioned Auburn a second ago, which leads us to the Citrus Bowl. Northwestern enters as a four-point favorite. Um, Northwestern actually does have several opt-outs, including Greg Newsom. They're kind of star safety. Auburn's got pretty much everybody except for head coach Gus Malzahn as that staff undergoes some transitions. What are you kind of thinking here? I do think Northwestern covers this. This is a, a prototypical bowl game, Chris, where I'm, I'm looking at the more motivated team. Like, I don't, I don't know what Auburn team is going to show up. You know, it, is it going to be the one that struggled and lost to South Carolina this season or, you know, the, the one that played well and, and won six games? So I think if, if Auburn can obviously establish the run against uh, a pretty good Northwestern defense, Tigers can win the game. But Pat Fitzgerald has won three straight bowl games. And I think to finish this season 7-2 and two with really two quality losses and a win over Auburn, in the bowl game, be a pretty big accomplishment for that program. Yeah, I, I actually went the opposite direction. I have a lot of questions about Auburn. I have all year, but I just cannot in good faith. And I, I keep being wrong in Northwestern, so perhaps this is on me. But Northwestern comes into this game ranked 113th nationally in, in um, yards per play. Like, this team struggles to move the ball. And I think against a good defense, not a great one, but a good one like Auburn, I just think Northwestern's going to have trouble. And I realize that Auburn's got a lot up in the air and kind of a lot of things going in different directions, but I think these players are still motivated. I think they want to make an impression on Byron, Brian Harson as his new coaching staff comes in, and I like Auburn to win by a point and to cover. The next game that we're talking about is a pretty big one. We're going in order by date. So this leads us to the Rose Bowl, which is kind of the Rose Bowl, but kind of isn't the Rose Bowl in Arlington, Texas. Uh, Notre Dame versus Alabama. Um, Alabama is a 20-point favorite to kind of open things up, and I think it could get ugly. Uh, Brad, do you kind of agree? Are you leaning in that direction of an Alabama blowout? I've tried to analyze this game from, from start to finish the, the last six or seven days. I just don't see a scenario in which Notre Dame can, can keep this one competitive and, and really make it an interesting game in the fourth quarter. I mean, Kyle Hamilton would have to have a big game at safety, have to pick off Mac Jones once or twice. You know, Devontae Smith would have to get shut down. and. And then you got to shut down Najee Harris as well. So I think Alabama is pretty much the better team at, at most positions in, in that starting too deep. So I like Alabama big, probably covers the 20 points and should set up for a uh, pretty good national title game against you-know-who. Yeah, I, I legitimately do not know where I would take a Notre Dame kind of group over Alabama's. Maybe linebacker. Alabama's linebackers have struggled a little bit. Kyle Hamilton's an advantage at safety, but I think Alabama's secondary as a whole is better. I agree. Notre Dame would have to play absolutely perfect, and Alabama would have to turn the ball over a couple times for this to be close. Notre Dame's whole game plan is built around controlling the clock, being kind of efficient on the ground. Alabama has scored 38 points in every game. They can score on anybody. Notre Dame is going to have to score to keep up. 
And I just don't know if the Irish are equipped to do that. I have um, Alabama covering and kind of another Notre Dame blowout. And I think it could be a really bad look for Brian Kelly kind of coming out of this one with back-to-back blowouts against Clemson and Alabama to kind of finish his season. But um, you mentioned, you know who earlier, the Sugar Bowl is between Ohio State and Clemson. Clemson opened as a seven and a half point favorite. I think that's a little high. I, I really think the Buckeyes have a chance in this game. Um, what are your kind of thoughts there? Oh, come on, Chris. You don't really think that, do you? I think we're sleeping on Ohio State right now. I don't, I'm not going to pick them, but I really think this game's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people are going to be in credit for. Ohio State's really hey, talented. If the Clemson team that showed up that, that just beat Notre Dame 34 to 10 in Charlotte, if that's the team that shows up, you know, and, and plays Ohio State, I think Clemson gets back to the title game and, you know, tries to avenge last season's loss, you know, when they got beat the second half by LSU. But this, this has been Alabama's kind of nemesis in the final. Uh, Alabama-Clemson, you know, rematch, something we've seen several times the last few years. And, I mean, hats off to Dabo, man. He's made the playoff, what is it, six consecutive seasons now. So, very impressive there. Um, obviously, I, I like Clemson. Has a slight quarterback edge in this game. Very, very good quarterback matchup with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I just think, you know, Travis Etienne not, not having that good a year despite somehow being a first-team All-American again as an all-purpose player. I, I think he has a big game against the Buckeyes, and, and, and Clemson's D-line is able to shut down Trey Sermon a bit, unlike Northwestern. All right, come on, man. You, don't, you can't just envision this in Ohio State's building right now. They're playing Dabo Sweeney on a loop explaining why he voted them like 11th or something. They're showing <laughs> Fiesta Bowl highlights from last year, that nonsense targeting call on Sean Wade. Like, they're showing that game over and over and over again. Like, I, I expect this to be close. And, I like, for legitimate on-field reasons, Clemson's offensive line, especially the interior, their tackles are okay. But the interior of that line has really struggled against good competition, except for last week against Notre Dame or two weeks ago, however the calendar works at this point. And Ohio State is really good up front, particularly in the middle with Haskell Garrett. Like, I think they're going to have to get really creative in terms of scheming Travis Etienne open on the outside. Trevor Lawrence's wide receivers aren't as good as they've been in the past, although I will admit Ohio State secondary does give me some pause. I think they rank 103rd nationally in uh, passing yards allowed per game. But I just, like, I don't think Ohio State's played its best game yet, and that's a scary thing uh, entering the playoffs. Ohio State is really talented. They're really good. And I I have this as as a field goal game. I am picking Clemson. But, like, these people calling for a Clemson blowout, I think are going to be a little – they're going to not be feeling themselves quite as much coming out of Saturday. Like, this is a really good Ohio State team, and I expect this to be another classic. Right. And and given the fact that Ohio State really hasn't played a competitive game this season outside of the Northwestern game where they had to, you know, play smash-mouth football in the second half to win that game, I just think Clemson's a better team, man, and, and they're going to prove it. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I think it could be a lot of – I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, it's the game I'm most excited for on the schedule – Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence is just a treat for college football fans. It's the last time we're going to get to see it. I'm super excited that we get to see it twice. Like, those guys grew up within 20 miles of each other in Georgia. They have the same quarterback trainer. Shout out to Ron Veal. He does not get enough credit. And I I just think it's going to be another excellent game, so I'm looking forward to it. Pivoting off of that game into a game with equal excitement, we have Kentucky offensive football versus (laughs) NC State. Kentucky is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason I don't particularly understand, Um, but this is your kind of palate cleanser on New Year's Day. Uh, What are your thoughts, Brad, on uh, Kentucky versus NC State? Yeah, so you always give me hell, man, for trying to include some, you know, weak ACC-type games in our weekly picks column. Look, man, NC State's 8-3 and this season. Nobody projected Dave Doran to possibly win his ninth game during bowl season, and 
And like you said, you know, odds makers have this one open at, at Kentucky as just about a field goal favorite. I don't, I don't see that. State has played really well since they lost, you know, Devin Leary for the season in October. They're starting quarterback. And I think NC State really has something more to play for in this Gator Bowl, and I think they'll win. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Kentucky struggled to score all year. I don't think replacing your two offensive coordinators in the middle of bowl season is going to do anything to help that. Uh, Bailey Hoffman's playing really well in their center for NC State. They've won four in a row going into this game. I like NC State to cover and the win by a field goal. Uh, moving on to a slightly more exciting game, especially if you're a big fan of PlayStation 5s, uh, the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we've got Oregon versus Iowa State. The Cyclones come in as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, they had a, probably the best season in program history. Matt Campbell's among the hottest names in the country as a head coach. Kind of what are your thoughts on this game, Brad? Yeah, so in terms of bowl gifts, man, it's pretty awesome that every player <laughs> involved in this game gets a PS5, something that everybody's been trying to get their hands on for months now before Christmas. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really see Oregon as a New Year's Six caliber team. The Ducks backed into the Pac-12 championship game because Washington was out with COVID, was able to somehow beat USC, and, and now gets to play a very good Iowa State team, which Matt Campbell, in, in these kind of scenarios, always has a team that's motivated to play. And all of Iowa State's best players are playing in this one. I think Iowa State covers and, you know, goes out with a victory. Yeah, I just have to say I'm so jealous of this bowl gift. Like, I could – I've been trying – first of all, I've been trying to get an X – I know y'all are very concerned about my Xbox. You should let me know, man. I've had five of them. Oh, man. I, I just, like – I just got a new headset for Christmas. I'm ready to play some Call of Duty with a new Xbox, but I'll, I'll catch one eventually. It's not a big deal. But on to the actual subject of this, I have Iowa State winning over Oregon. I think Iowa State's a little more consistent. I think Iowa State's tight ends are a matchup nightmare for Oregon. And uh, I like the Cyclones to win uh, by three. I do have Oregon covering because I'm just covering my bases, but I, I do like the Cyclones to move on. Let's move to another uh, New Year's Six game. It's the Orange Bowl, North Carolina versus Texas A&M. Of note for North Carolina, they're missing their leading receiver, Damani Brown. They're missing their leading rusher, Michael Carter. And they're missing their leading uh, kind of pass rusher, and Chas Surratt. All three are going to the NFL. A&M is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And there's a really fun Mac Brown versus Texas A&M scenario in there. But I have to mention, even though it really holds no bearing over the game. So, uh, Brad, what are your kind of thoughts here? I mean, outside of Sam Howell, man, UNC's best skill talent is not playing in this game. Mac Brown, we, we heard him say this week during the uh, pre-Orange Bowl presser that, you know, th those guys opting out is going to hurt us Saturday night, but it's going to help us in the long run. Well, you know, we're, we're making picks for this <laughs> week, and I like I like A&M big in this game. Um, it opened up at A&M minus six and a half. That's one that I actually did put real money on. I know a lot of folks are going to question, you know, A&M's want to, not, not making the playoff as the fifth best team in the country, but I think they will be a top four team if they're able to steamroll UNC and, like I said, finish inside that top four once the playoffs are over. Listen, man, this is Kellen Mond's last game as an Aggie, and I know he's been derided as the quarterback in some cases, but he's had a hell of an A&M career. And I can promise you the Aggies are going to want to send him and the rest of the senior class out right. I like the Aggies to cover as well. I think A&M's a better team. I also think the kind of styles of these two teams really favor A&M. A&M is a very slow-paced offensive team. North Carolina's pedal to the metal. But the thing about that is, if North Carolina does not take advantage of its possessions and missing a lot of its key pieces, I think there are going to be situations where they go three and out, are off the field in 45 seconds, and then A&M just puts their foot on their throat for eight minutes on a drive and just kind of salts the game away. I guess we'll go to another SDC team to end this podcast. We have the Outback Bowl uh, matching Ole Miss versus Indiana. Indiana is a six and a half point favorite. 
of note for the Rebels. Um, Elijah Moore, their superstar receivers out. Kenny Yarbrough, their second leading receivers out. And Lane Kiffin earlier today, or I'm sorry, on Monday, said the team is really struggling with injuries and opt-outs um, and COVID issues, actually, on top of that. And Indiana isn't missing anybody. As you can tell by that description, I am leaning towards the Hoosiers. But, uh, Brad, what are your kind of thoughts? I'm, I'm probably going to Indiana. Um, I, I hate to bet against Tom Allen. I like Indiana. Probably 31-17, to 17, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Ole Miss has struggled to stop everyone this year. Indiana's kind of rolled against whoever it's played. Tom Allen's a heck of a story. This team has done an amazing, amazing job this year, given the circumstances. Um, I could argue they should probably be in a New Year's Six game over Iowa State, but here we are. I like Indiana to roll and kind of finish out the season on a good note. And I think the future's bright for Ole Miss, but this this ain't it. But um, anyway, Brad, uh, that's our final pick extravaganza for the year. It's been fun as always to kind of pick games with you. I will win one year, I'm sure of it. Uh, but for the College Football Daily, this is Chris Hummer and Brad Crawford signing off. Have a good one. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.